0: Welcome to the Risk and Accounting Advisory Podcast. My name is Neil Began. I'm a principal and firm leader of Cherry Records Risk Advisory Practice. And today on our first ever Risk and Review Podcast Series, we are going to dive into data and risk analytics and what it means for your organization. As if I didn't say risk enough, one more on the intro would be that joining me today is Sam Hallaby, Cherry Records Data and Risk Analytics Leader. Sam, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Happy to be here and happy to talk about risk and data and analytics. It's uh, been a sweet spot for me for a long time.
0: Can't wait to unpack some of that. So real quick, let me just back up and, and introduce a little bit further the, the series that we are putting together. Again, the name of the series will be the Risk and Review Series. It's going to be structured with five key questions around trending topics, and we will have uh, our Cherry Record subject matter experts provide guidance on that topic's importance for faster and more effective decision making, and connecting to your business operations and systems integration. So let's get things kicked off, Sam. The bar has been set, or at least you are gonna set it here in the next 10 or so minutes. So let's yep. talk about what is risk analytics? How does data and risk analytics increase value to certain client functions?
1: Well, risk and data, as you know, has been kind of, has in, has been in our, our vernacular for a long time now. And it's a fairly broad topic, right? It is about, you know, from using analytics to recommend your next movie you want to watch on Netflix or placing your next trade or increasing your market and product performance insights and all of that. And naturally, each one of these solutions where you apply analytics to comes with its own risk. So, for example, if Netflix is gives you a flawed recommendation, you know, what happens? You may have wasted an hour or two of your time. but if your trade analytics give you some invest some some so so, so right. Right. some investment advice that you act on or your uh, market insights are flawed and you know the analytics there are costlier so the way we look at it for our clients uh, our clients uh, have a much simpler goal We're not going to get into these complicated analytics. They're all just starting. So what we're trying to do to help them out is give them a kind of a a right-sized approach application to solve some specific problems. And those problems for us, we want to keep them within the context of RAS. And those problems for for our clients are more on risk recognition and how to take that risk and help mitigate any type of uh, uh, targeting that you have to perform. So the idea for us is to uh, holistically help you identify risk and uh, target mitigation. So what do we do? How do we approach it? We have a simple technique uh, where we actually just curate data. We have a bunch of risk rules that we learn from our experiences and we have them codified in a library and we help articulate all that through some visual perspectives and presentations to kind of tell the story, right? It's not about just putting Tabular data on a piece of paper. It's about business intelligence. It's about how to how to, what where are the patterns and how do we recognize the patterns.
0: That's fantastic. So let's dig in a little bit more on that. But, you know, how does Cherry Record apply the data and risk analytics uh, for our clients specifically?
1: Well, typically, given our client base and given our client profile, um, a lot of it these days has been uh, a bit of uh, you know more requests and saying look. We want to be able to increase our, you know, our internal audit must be able to increase test coverage, right? We right now we do sampling, uh, you know, we have thousands of transactions, we sample sixty transactions. That's not going to tell us much. We're digitized, you know, or we're halfway digitized, or we're on a digital journey. Well, just having that means that we can get to one hundred percent test coverage if they are digitized, right? So once you do that, you're also elevating the confidence in the outcome of an audit or a report so we have customers asking us to to audit audit the reports. Are we you know uh, what what is being reported is uh, how does it correlate to the data that constructs it right? So we have been able to help a lot of our clients with that. What else can we do right now? We can monitor internal controls um, so that we make sure they're effective and we don't have to wait from periodic exam to periodic exam. We can do it periodically now. Um, on um, on a a higher frequency, we can do it weekly, we can do it uh, monthly, and it all depends on the maturity of the client's ability to get certain data points for us. Um, What else can we do? We can learn about transactions. Uh, We've done a lot of work in the payout place, in the procure-to-pay environment, where uh, we can look at masses of rows of data and try to kind of uh, learn from it identify patterns, who's spending more, who's spending less, and I'll get into that a little later with some examples. Um, What else can we do? We've have uh, we've have uh, entities, uh, regulatory entities, say the IRS or Department of Labor. That's basically levying a penalty on you for some, uh, some some missed payments, some missed deposits. Well, we're able to use analytics to also help shadow those calculations so that you can see if what the IRS or what the Department of Labor is saying to you is actually uh, is actually proper. You can chat with their calculations. Their calculations are are open. They are posted on uh, on on their website. So we can take that, codify it, and uh, and present it, apply it to the transactions that are could be uh, you know, a period of time of transactions, and we can calculate that. So it gives you a better ability to also respond to your regulator with uh, a lot more confidence than trying to acquiesce to a lot of uh, uh, their concerns.
0: You know, all, all great points, and certainly the the advent of uh, and the, really the the increase in the use of data and analytics in both internal audit functions and really the auditing world as a whole has has certainly been significant over the years. But oftentimes changes are associated uh, with with cost, right? Um, and so. Wanted to touch on that today. What what kind of overhead and costs are associated with integrating data and risk analytics uh, into those functions that you mentioned?
1: You know that's a great question. That's like when you go out to buy a car. You can buy a car for ten thousand or you could buy a car for a hundred thousand. Ultimately, it's like where where do you find that? Where do you strike that balance? Our approach helps our clients in finding that balance. So what we the way we approach it is that uh, we it's a shared effort with the client. We we. Can bring the methodologies. Uh, we can bring the industry insights, and the client brings their institutional knowledge. Right? The client best knows about their uh, their environment. So, what do we do? Having all these three, uh, th- th- three column competencies, if you will, uh, converged, we're able to uh, we're able to look at the client's need. We're able to look at the resource availability. Do they have something called, we like to start with something called an analytics sandbox, you gotta have a sandbox, right? The sandbox is, uh, is constitutes certain tools uh, and certain uh, skill sets that kind of kind of converge and let you kind of play and try to figure out because there's a lot of experimentation in analytics and that's where, you know, an investment has to happen. so we focus to build an analytics toolbox. It can be expensive if you go out and buy like uh, you know snowflake or buy all these uh, you know highly expensive tools that our clients really at, the, at at the level of volumes that they have don't really need. So we stick to more open source applications like Python or SQL or R or Tableau and some and, and Alteryx. These tools are available and not just available. There's a lot of skill sets out there that can help you manage those in the future, right? You're not tied into three or four developers that can only do these things. These are kind of prolific. A lot of people are out there. There's a lot of support for them. There's an online community, so it helps developers who are going to operate the practitioner in those tools, operate those tools really quickly get up to speed and learn. Um, So we we, we like to have that sandbox it, it for our clients. We Create the use case. The Use case has to be ultimately has to be focused on a specific solution. We don't want to try to solve every possible problem. We want to try with. We start with a small engine that supports a specific use case, and then from there we can build along and iterate through it. Kind of, you know, think of it as an agile methodology of iteration, quick iterations, quick iterations to build it out. Once once we get to kind of what we call a. Proof of concept. It, and it's delivered um what we do is this we want to make it sticky with the client right we don't want to go and say okay well you got, a, you got a proof of concept now let's go ahead and operationalize it no now is work with it tune it uh make adjustments as you need build a framework for trying to manage it and sustain it along the way and then we discuss various methods of productionalizing it it can be something on premises that means they can totally uh, uh, operate this on their own with that the right skill sets. It can be managed service, something that Cherry Becker can do for them. It can be a hosted service, which is something that Cherry Becker or they can host it with, you know, Amazon or Microsoft, or it could be a hybrid. So there's a lot of options at that point where, uh, where uh, you know, how you can pre- proceed in operationalize and productionalizing uh any one of those solutions.
0: Always always good to have options. So let's kind of unpack one of those, um, or more if you want, but at least one while we're on this podcast. Can you provide a you know, quick success story on how we've helped clients implement integrated risk analytic strategies uh, to streamline operations and help with better or maybe even more accurate decision-making?
1: Absolutely, Neil, and it's really interesting. Uh, you know, We've seen coming out of this uh, pandemic, uh, we've seen, uh, you know, it was a spike to organizations, right? It was a, a lot. A lot of new volumes that were uh, that, that 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 were there that uh, that came in and emerged that weren't there before. For example, I'll take uh, I'll take putting everybody at home, right? Everybody had to work remote. So what does that mean? That means now uh, a lot of pe- a lot of folks at home had to purchase more things. Uh, they had a lot more requests for spending um, that. The the vendors submitting invoices were still mailing things in and then uh, because that's what we told them to do in the past, mail things in. Now they had to scan it and email it. So a lot of things changed and, you know, and a lot of nuances and idiosyncrasies kind of uh, of came out with that because, you know, this is something we all weren't used to. Um, So one thing we saw is the increase of the issuance of corporate cards by organizations. And, uh, you know, two years of pandemic. Uh, Now, internal audit is trying to catch up, trying to see how people uh, were spending, what were they buying, who were they buying from, etc., etc., and now they are seeing, you know, millions of transactions. I mean, how is internal audit going to shine a light and try to figure out where to look? You can't do the traditional sampling. You know, take 50 random transactions or 100 random transactions and try to test them or follow through. You can't do that. Okay. So what we've come to, what we've introduced to them is something that we provided a tool. We said, look, we're going to give you a tool. We're just going to take all these spending transactions, whether they're corporate cards, whether they're vendor payments, whether expense reimbursements, whether they are um, any, any type of payout that happened. And we're going to kind of layer it and we're going to slice it and we're going to be able to empirically look at it and analyze it and discover habits we're going to discover habits where um and benchmarks right we're going to discover things like you know what is the average spend for a particular function right and and should and and on top of that who should be spending are people using their corporate card you know you, we blindly gave corporate cards to everybody during the pandemic are people using them? Uh, because the risk of having active corporate cards where people aren't using them is high. So you want to make sure if you're not using something, you take it away, right? Um, so immediately, once we kind of layered the data, immediately we're able to see spends that are out of the norm. Things like where your average spend is, let's say $2,000 holistically across the organization. And I'll get to the holistically in a bit. Holistically across our organization, we are seeing spends of, forty thousand dollar per transaction right so immediately you know a visual is out there which folk which lets the eyeballs go and say wow this is out of this is not normal let me look at that let me shine a light on that let me drill down on that and let me see what was happening um and that's how we've been you know providing these tools to internal audit now when i say holistically is because you know v1 of doing something like this is looking at an organization as a whole so if you are let's say some government entity say a county or a municipality or something like that you know the average spend for folks cleaning the streets after the snowstorm is very different than the folks cleaning the uh you know uh the the, the, the folks in the police department or the fire department or the or the teachers uh, or the education system all of that so all of those also then over time you start taking into consideration and you learn you learn how to delineate what the police department's average normal what normal looks like or some people call it what does good look like and we basically see you know see what falls outside of the good uh the the, the good spectrums the thresholds and uh and, and we go from there. So then basically we, we, we the idea is that internal hardware will learn, iterate through it and all of that. And we'll get to that towards the end, um, Neil, uh, on uh, on how to, uh, you know, how to sustain things once you go into the journey of analytics.
0: Right, yep, so let's stay with that journey. And I, I promised the folks at the top of the podcast that we'd limit it to five. I'd, I'd like to ask a bunch more questions, but for purposes of today, we will stay with the five. So I guess my, my last question, uh you just alluded to let's discuss how we put all of this in the motion so um if if i'm sitting here listening to this podcast you know ideally i'm thinking to myself where does the data and risk analytics journey start and ultimately where can it go
1: well we we The way we've done this is we've worked. Like I said earlier, we we work hand in hand with the client. This is not something you know. This is not something we say here you go. Here's a solution. We're going to stick it on your desk and start running with it. We work hand in hand so that the the knowledge transition is continuous, right? So that by the time we're done, they're able to operate on their own. They can stand. They can be a standalone. Um, the idea once you once you you fill out, you know we 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 fill out that uh, proof of concept um we coalesce against uh, alongside of it we iterate through it we see what's working what's not working so that's kind of what we call a data science approach and we want to improve these over time right because right now the first thing that our customers can do is do these what we call simple lookbacks and these lookbacks tell you you know what is happening and why it's happening right but ultimately you can move into the complexity of being forward looking to say what's likely to happen and what to do next, right? So these, this is where the journey begins from what's happening to what do I do next? That's what they call what we call that the analytics ladder, right? So the approaches that we outline, and again, we take that data science approach, um, so that once you have a POC, you learn from it. Um, there are feedback loops, or what we call digital exhaust, you know take the outcomes and loop it back into your analytics and learn from it and that goes against you know what i said earlier about the county right police department doesn't spend like the fire department police department is allowed to spend on ammunition fire department may not be allowed to, to spend on ammunition right so all these things you start learning so that as you improve the analytics in the internal audit case you are more likely to your targeting becomes a lot more accurate where you're going to kind of do your exams and things like that right uh a big thing people don't like to hear is fail fast when you need to don't throw good money after bad money right this is something we got to learn early things don't work fail fast salvage there's always learnings in there that you can reapply into your feedback loop then there's the whole process of it, application controls Right? It, it This is a model. It is an application. It has to have controls and has to, you know, and it's sensitive to change. Change in data, change in uh, business rules, change in people, uh, change in uh, technology. So again, it needs to be treated as an application. Because it's data heavy, it also has to have a data governance component to it, which means there's a data management aspect to it, there's a data quality aspect to it, and there's an the ethical use. Ethical use doesn't come into play as much with, with our clients right now or where our application. But again, I like to always put it in there because we are cognizant of it. Like, can should we be using data and making decisions off? Uh, are we off data from using it in the way it's meant to be used, right? And ultimately, analytics give you decisions. You can't go blindly by the decision it gives you. A quantitative decision it gives you should not drive your actions, right? It has to be rationalized and it has to be qualitative. So having that framework, these kind of these five points that I've outlined here, having that framework will give you a good uh, kind of start to end and guidance in your journey.
0: Yeah, great great points indeed, Sam, and I, I really have to thank you. This is, as I mentioned at the top, the first podcast within the Risk and Review series. I knew the bar was going to be set. I knew that you would set it very high as you have, but it's also been not only very informative, but but fun as well. So, I really appreciate your time today.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Neil.
0: I also want to thank our audience for listening and ask that you stay tuned for more risk topics in this series, including different areas. It could be things on Sarbanes-Oxid compliance. Uh, IT compliance and IT auditing, enterprise risk management, uh, financial services, consulting, and more. Speaking of more, for more information on risk analytics or how your business can begin your data and risk analytics journey that was described on today's podcast, please visit cbh.com forward slash risk. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe to all of our risk and accounting advisory podcasts. And thanks again for listening. Take care.